The opinions and views expressed in this video are purely for entertainment purposes and not for investment advice. Good evening, goons. Welcome back to Jack of All Trades. We are all together again, Sam, Kalen, myself. And uh, it was a little burned out, though, but thank you for showing up today. <laughs> I'm so tired. If I sound like I'm half asleep, it's because I am. The fact that you could be half asleep and still read the charts clearly says, uh, says a lot, though. <laughs> You but, know, what's um, funny is I actually, oh, I got, a, I got a quick story for you. Yeah. So I do, I deal with, I deal with snow removal and stuff in the winters. So I fucking, when was it? It was like, I don't know, a few weeks back. I worked like a 30 hour shift because I was working, I worked through the day and then I did a night shift, uh, like running dispatch for plowing. And, uh, there was like some stuff that I was looking at the trade the next morning. So like I got, ho I got home from my shift. So I'd worked like 30 hours or whatever. Got home from my shift at uh, I think it was I like this day. like yeah it was like seven thirty or eight in the morning. So I like I get to my computer I'm like half delirious. I look at the markets I'm like oh fuck I was like okay that'd be good. So I like I draw my lines in with like one eye closed and then I, I it's like eight o'clock or eight thirty at this point. So I set my alarm for like ten after nine. I was like okay I'm just gonna I'm just gonna crash for like half an hour. Get some quick rest. I'm going to wake up, come back. I'm going to trade and then go back to bed. <laughs> so I go lay down. My alarm goes off. I wake up. I look at it. Pass right back out again. Wake up again. It's like, it was 9.54. So I'm like, shit. So I like, I jump up and I like, you know, crash through my house trying to get to my computer because I like can't even fucking stand properly. And then uh, I get to my screen and there was two stocks that I was watching. One of them like ripped up right into my line and went down. Like I was like, damn. So I missed that one. Then I saw another one going. So I like, I start like punching in my orders. I've been awake for like, you know, 15 seconds at this point. I'm like, you know, 30 minutes of sleep after a 30 hour shift. So I'm like punching everything in. And like I put the order out trying to like set a short for higher and then it just executes. I'm like, what the hell? So I looked down and it was like a market order I'd put out by accident. So I like tried to cover it and then I added up, ended up adding more and the stock was just like consolidating at this point. So I just like, I just like cleared the order and like got out of it. So there's like all these little arrows that are just like right beside each other. And then I finally got my, my two orders up properly. And then within the next like 10 minutes, the stock ripped up, hit my orders, went down, I covered. And then like 10 minutes later, I was right back to bed. <laughs> and then I woke up, like, I think I woke up at like three in the afternoon. And like, I thought it was like a dream. I'm like, Fuck, did, I trade? <laughs> did I trade this morning? And I like go look at my computer and I was just like, oh, sweet. I made some money. <laughs> I think I remember that day you messaged like I remember reading your message around like noon or early noon I'm like you fucking degenerate <laughs> yeah, like, you, you was... worked the night before oh man it was so bad I was just like sweating and I just felt like hell I, I like man I definitely should not have traded but the fact that I could basically trade while I was half asleep is pretty funny <laughs> what you should do is get a projector from your bed and then get Siri somehow like to do the trades for you to be like Siri yeah. <laughs> seriously oh man but anyways sorry what were you saying uh, no, I was just saying, like, I was wanting to get your thoughts on uh, Rivian, because, like, uh, I missed that short, obviously, but... Could you get shares on that? I forgot what we were talking about that, because if... No, because uh... so, it, there was, like, there was, like, a four or five-day period where I, where I realized that I was trying to hit short with a normal account. I needed a margin one, so I, I had them open the margin one for me, and then while I'm waiting for, it to mar uh, wait, waiting for that to happen, the stock just keeps going up, up, up into my levels. I'm like, okay. Then it passed my levels. I'm like kind of sucks then it hit like whatever it did 170 whatever i'm like yeah. so was, at that point i'm thinking oh maybe maybe my stupidness saved me some money and they just went right down after i'm like fuck yeah 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 do you want to pull the chart here sam just so we can kind of get a visual of what we're looking at <clears throat> but yeah, every kind of short, 
whenever you're trying to short these IPOs, it's always kind of sketchy though. I don't personally, just cause like I, I always play off chart history and like, if there's nothing for me to, to look back on for resistance, it's just like, you're basically just guessing at that point. But like, you obviously have the fundamental background on this thing. Well, I knew it was a shortable stock from a fundamental perspective, but to your point, it, the, the danger is like, how far up will it go? How much will it get fucked before it starts to correct itself? Right. Yeah. But I looked at history of the IPOs and I'm like, it's, they usually, if it's a really hype company, they'll, 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 they'll IPO and they'll go up about 50 to a hundred percent above whatever their, their initial price offering would be. And then that's around the time they'll start coming back down. Right. So Rivian was like a hundred and hundred dollars, I think price. So then I started, I, I, I figured about 150, 140 was a good area to start shorting. That was yeah, my so, thing. Yeah. So we went almost all the way up to 180 here because it opened at, uh, yeah, it opened at like 106, 107. So there's almost a hundred percent move up and then, yeah, just tank right back down. But this is, these are nice. Like the safe, you could, you could have still shorted on this bounce over here. Like these are the safer shorts down here. This is actually kind of like what I'm working on now in my trades is like, like what I, like the way that I was kind of trading, um, before I still do to a certain degree on certain setups, but like, instead of like going in full size on a move like this, like what I'm trying to do now is be basically be a little bit more patient, wait for this move to come up. So I'm starting in like, like I'll start in like a fifth or like a 10th of my size on this front side here on the first big spike. And then once I see that reversal and I see the thing break, then I'll just fucking hammer into it on the, on the downside and just let it come down. So I'll, like I'll, I'll short into weakness on the way down. Once I see the thing turn around. Would you say, the short sellers probably piled in on the 30th, November 30th, that one. This is the 17th here. I, I know, but uh, there's one, there's one of the 30th. This looks, this looks like right here. This is the 19th. 19th, right? Okay. That looks like a short day. Cause we have these, cause what, like what happens is usually like when these things turn around, like you're waiting for a bounce, right? So like we didn't have a bounce on this day. It didn't have a bounce on this day. And then we have a gap up. So you get this first spike and that's what, that's why you got this big top wick is cause this is the, this is the first actual bounce that we had. So that, that one actually went right into your 140 line, funny enough, yeah. on that bounce. Just funny, man. Like when you look at these charts, if you know how to read charts, like you can read the psychology perfectly. Like you, you look at, you know, you look at these, these candles here and it's like, you know, this is a bounce. So what happens here is all the longs that we're chasing, buying up here, they're all selling on this pop, trying to get the hell out. Shorts are getting in here, shorting it down. And then we have this candle, which is the very next day, and you got a big bottom wick because this is all the people down here that that are thinking, "Oh man, all right, I'm getting back in at the, the IPO price," which is, you know, look at that line. It's like it's probably almost to the penny right here, right? Yeah. Where 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 the stock price IPO'd, and then that's right where it bottomed out. So everybody's thinking, "Oh great, you know, it was just at 180. I'll I'll get in at the at the open price, expecting another big move back up." So you get this, and then it just kind of you know fades off into nothing. And then once you break that lower support, then you just you know, that's why this, this candle down here has really big volume, even though it's a small candle. It's cause that's, that's when we broke the support line, right. From the IPO price. Yeah. As soon as that breaks, this big volume candles, just everybody getting the hell out. Funny <clears throat> how you could almost see the news take place just looking at the charts. Cause it's like, it was setting up perfectly for that earnings report. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You can usually, you can usually tell, like, if you look at, because like companies aren't stupid, right? And it usually lines up with news releases too. Like if, if you look at charts and, you know, when you see press releases and stuff like that on charts, if you know how to read, if you know how to read a stock chart properly, then normally when companies come out with news, you'll look at it and it'll be like, it'll be something like this where like, 
you know, it's rate, it's rate kind of turning around about to break down and then they have the news and it just, it just destroys that support level or vice versa. If it's, if it's trending upward, you know, you might be, you might be rated like a 52 week high and then, you know, just by fluke, they'll come out with a press release. that's really good news. And then it breaks that high. Right. And then the stock holds up higher. So the companies aren't stupid. Like they know how to work these things. They know how to read charts too. Uh, it's a matter of kind of playing both sides of it. There's also that theory that's kind of been proving to be false. I believe it to be false, but there's something to it. The uh, the efficient um, the efficient market <clears throat> hypothesis. Have you heard of that? I have. I just refreshed my memory. I can't remember what that is offhand. It's just some economist a long time ago said that the market is a perfect price discovery machine. Therefore, all known information is represented by the market. So at any given time, uh, all information is known. So if you follow that, then it's like it looks like the market knew that the price or the the, the revenues are going to be shit so then they prepared for for it to sink right but that doesn't quite explain why it gapped down the next day because clearly somebody didn't know right mm-hmm. but i yeah. think but i think part of it is true in that that the fact that it looked like it was already setting up it's like it's like anything you if if there's a secret no matter how well you keep it there's going to be leaks and so it looks like somebody was trying to jump in front of the you know get get ahead yeah for sure yeah yeah, anytime, anytime you have something like that, there's always people that know stuff, right? So yeah. that's why that's why the chart the chart patterns are so important. Like tech, it's like technical analysis at the end of the day, in my opinion, is the is the absolute number one thing for reading charts. Like just just straight up volume and candles. Like you know, volume and candles or volume and lines. It's really like if you can learn how to read that very well, and you can learn to read the sentiment and the emotion behind that. Like it it makes trading like literally like reading a book like it's so clear it's so so clear what like what everybody's thinking what's going on there's a lot of people that still don't believe in it like um there's a really good really well-known uh tesla analyst and he's been right he but he's pure fundamental analysis but he'll he'll look at tesla's he'll look so deep into their numbers and he'll keep track like six (laughs) 12 months ahead and be like their production is going to be within this range and therefore the price will be within this range there's a whole bunch of calculations and he's really accurate with it right but but one time it annoyed me where he went on this podcast and he was like saying he said technical analysis is astrology for men. <laughs> no. And I'm like and I'm like I get the fact that what you're doing is working and I see the logic behind it. But I mean, if I were to challenge him and I would just say let's just pick a stock, any stock, and then you and we'll trade it for like a week or a month, pick a time period, right? Who's going to do better, you or me? I guarantee you, all else being equal, I will do better. Because you're gonna think, because you, you're gonna think like you're gonna know all known information just by looking at, um, uh, at the fundamentals. I mean, not every company is like Tesla. Not every company is as open as Tesla. You know what I mean? Like, try doing it with other companies. Try doing it with a small cap. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think the reason that like certain guys like that, is, I think it's an ego thing because like there's a lot of guys out there where you know you know, the, the old saying where it's like you know they'd rather be right than make money. That's like the mm. that's, that's like the fundamental guys, right? Like like take take you know just because we have this open, take Rivian for example. So like you know, let's say you know Rivian's like you know their revenues are like what you say a million bucks, yeah. and they're valued at like a hundred billion or something stupid like that, right? So this it doesn't make sense. Like it makes no sense right off the get go. But like you know, let's say let's say you you knew that. So on the IPO day, you just shorted your entire bankroll on this day down here. Well. By the time it gets up to 180 bucks, you're probably out. You're, you're down a ton of money. You've lost your whole account. You know, it's game over. And then it comes right back down. And then down here, you can go, ha ha, see, I was right. <laughs> you know, like, what's, what's the point in that? Like, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather make money than be right. So it's, 
with the, the fundamental stuff, it, it seems like it's on a longer time frame. Like, like technicals, I think it becomes, it doesn't become obsolete, but in my opinion, from what I've seen is like the longer the time frame on technicals, the less exact it becomes, like the less, the less precise it can become. Because if, if you're looking at stuff, because, because then you're factoring in the economy as a whole, you're factoring in the growth of the specific company, you're factoring in changes, like all these kind of things. Whereas like, you know, if you're looking over, like, you know, you can chime in here if you think I'm wrong, but like, if you're looking over, say like a 20 year period of a company, like, yeah, you're still going to see some support and resistance lines, but I don't think there's going to be as many little nuances that you can really like pinpoint. Like, I think, I think some of those levels are going to kind of start to stretch out a little bit and not be quite as precise. I'm going to say yes and no. Like there is a lot that's just, there's so much variables as you add time to it that it's like, how do you, how do you even account for that? Right. But yeah, sometimes, exactly. but sometimes there's like traditional chart patterns. They're just so freaking strong that if you see something, if you see a year long pennant or flag, both flag setting up, that mm-hmm. shit's going to fuck every short seller. Like there's just, it's, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, it's weird. So some stuff seems to be stronger, but then other stuff just seems to be just who knows. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like over the real, like I'm talking like over 10, 15, 20 okay. years. That's why I think these like, like, even, yeah, over a year, two years, three years, like you can still see some pretty clean cut, like technical charts. But yeah. that's why I think a lot of these, like these really long term investors, like they, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying Warren Buffett doesn't believe in technical analysis by any means, but like guys like that, who might not put really any weight on it. And that's why it's because like, you know, they're buying something to, with the plan to sell it in 40 years. So like, you know, whether whether the stock's downtrending right now or it's in a pennant or it's a head and shoulders or like it's completely irrelevant because they're saying like, what, why do you even care about that? Like we're buying it now to sell it, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now. So it doesn't even matter. Right. But whereas yeah. like, the way that we're looking at things, you know, we're, we're trading stuff like over the day, over the week, over months. Right. So it's a tighter time frame. And that's when this stuff really works. Like even here, like I just I was just kind of drawing this while you're talking, but like this is one of my favorite this is one of my favorite areas to shore on any of these charts is when you get like, you get a big move up like that. And then on the line chart, when you have that first bounce, like that little, that little notch right there, like that's my favorite short level. That's, that's probably the easiest short you guys will ever take. Get a big move up like this from all the way up here, all the way down to, you know, from a dollar or 180, all the way down to 123, you have absolutely no support. Like there's no support and there's no resistance up here. So you can shore up, you can shore up this line all day long. And if it breaks, it might go all the way back up to 180, but this is the only level. Like if there was multiple levels, then, you know, it might break this one and go up to the next one and, and it could push to the next one before it comes down. But when you only have one like this, I mean, you know, you go back over the candles, like, look at that. How many times did it hit it? One, two, three, four, like, you know, just over and over and over. Like that's the easiest short in the, in the book right there. Like that's my favorite setup. You know, um, that's really funny because that level is actually really important. I, I don't know if you got your fib ready, but if you just pull the fib from the from the IPO date from the bottom to the to the top, like what one seventy whatever that is, you'll see exactly where it landed. Yeah, I, I use a line chart, but this should probably still work. I don't know if I'm doing it right, but <laughs> if you, yeah, start from the bottom. Yeah, start from the bottom. So the first uh, first point will be at the bottom, and then the second point will be at the top. Uh, fib retrace. Is this the right one? I never use this still. <laughs> I think so. If you just pull it over, uh, I can't see too clearly. But that... Uh, it's like $3 off the 618 line. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, 
you, you're gonna tell me that's bullshit i could pull this shit all day off almost like almost any chart you show me yeah the top the top wick on this biggest candle that pushed through the line like came within like a couple cents of the 618 line yeah i mean there's just way too much evidence out there to, to, to say that like to say that technical analysis of voodoo or like astrology for men is just ignoring the truth and actually technical analysis fucking outweighs anything and like even get guys like if you're looking at like intraday trading and stuff like that there's like you know i don't want to bash like tape reading or anything like that because it can be really really helpful in seeing where like seeing where things are going finding hidden sellers like you know seeing little nuances and like where you might be able to add into a stock and stuff like that but like you don't like in my opinion and there's a lot of like there's a lot of professional traders that'll agree with me you don't need level two like you don't have to watch the order flow to be able to trade like you can strictly just have a chart and you can trade like if i'm trading intraday like i have the level two open just because i like to watch it because you'll see what's going to happen before so like for me it's like i already know what it's going to do and like so you know if it's at two dollars and like i'm going to try and cover it a dollar 80 like i already know what's going there by the time i'm in the trade so like but if i'm looking at it and it's sitting at like you know, a dollar eighty-five for like 10, 15 minutes and it kind of keeps bouncing off that, that's when I'll watch the level two and I'll just say, okay, how much size is still there? Like, are we hitting it a lot? Like, is there hidden size? Like, that's the kind of stuff I'll see. But if it's like slowly getting chipped away, chipped away, chipped away over minutes and minutes and minutes, that's when if you're just looking at the chart, then you don't know because you're thinking, oh man, this thing just keeps holding and holding and holding. Is it going to break down? But if you're watching, if you're watching the order flow, you can see, you can see those orders disappearing, disappearing, disappearing. And then once they're gone, that's when you get that flush and then you can cover the rest of your position, right? So yeah. you, you don't need it. Like it's not critical to, to learn how to trade. It's just kind of, a lot of people put too much weight on it and they're like, oh, you know, they try and think they're cool. Like you have to learn how to read the tape and you know, it's, you really don't. I wonder if it's a result of like, some people are just like data junkies that just, whatever you give them, they'll like, they'll, they'll, they'll use it. Yeah. Like, and they suffer from like information overload. It can help. I mean, like, I, I, think, I think once you have a profitable strategy and, like, you know what you're doing, it can add an extra level of um, ability, you know, like, where you, where you can enter in, where you can know how to add and, like, stuff like that, and, like, little nuances that might, might allow you to take trades you, not, you might not necessarily have done before. But, um, like, if you're, if you're a trader, like, if you're just a trader, technical analysis is, is number one over anything. Like, just learn how to read charts. And, like, super simple. Like, on, on like... Like I, I use the candles and I use volume. That's it. And like, I'll have like, you know, I'll have moving, like I'll have a 50 and a 200 moving average open just because, but like, I'm not using, I, I really don't use those for anything in my trades. Mm -hmm. Like I just kind of have them there just like almost just arbitrarily, but like, I'm just, I'm just doing like what I did here. Like I just see this level and I draw a line and then I'll just play off that line. If that line breaks, I'm out and I'll just cover into washes. Like that's like, that's, it's that simple. Like it, you, there's no, you don't need all these friggin you know, Bollinger Bands and Ichimoku Cloud and all this other crap that just fucking makes your chart look super cool. And then you look at something like this, it's like, oh, there's two lines on there. This guy must be an idiot, but, you know, we're the ones making money. So <laughs> call me an idiot all you want. I'll keep, I'll keep taking a paycheck. Tell you, man, during my, during those years where I was learning TA, I got into Elliott Waves heavily. I touched on Ichimoku Clouds and I saw Bollinger Bands. And I was just like, it's, it's just the white person's version of Ichimoku Clouds, really. <laughs> so but what i realized was like these things are all basically saying the same thing just pick one of them pick any yeah of them. a lot of them are right. lagging indicators too right that's the all problem. lagging yeah all indicators are lagging right? the only like, thing, yeah the, the only things that aren't lagging is like the chart itself even even volume technically is a lagging indicator lagging. yeah 
because like as the chart's going, you know, that volume candle's increasing as the thing's trading, right? So it's technically still a lagging indicator, but like the candles are the only things that are happening in real time. That's so like, that's, that's why like, because I remember like, and like, you know, I learned this years ago, like when I first started trading in my first couple months, like I remember one of the first things I was looking at was like the death cross or whatever. I can't, it was like, you know, <laughs> When the 50-day moving average crosses yeah. crosses over the 200, yeah. then like then the stock's going down. So I just I just you know started typing in a bunch of random stock names, and I just scroll back to when this happened. And every time the actual candles lined up with where that cross was, like you know probably 70% of the time they were bouncing. So I'm like this is this is dumb. Like the thing started selling off a month ago, and then by the time it actually pulled those moving averages across each other, it bounced. So like. Okay. You're, you're just using those as a confirmation when you're already in the trade to be like, okay, yeah. Yeah, this, is just, this is just another reason to prove that I'm right and hold on a little bit longer. So I have a theory. My theory is like those weird things, like the um, the moving averages, those are only relevant to like maybe stocks where it's almost heavily traded by, by professionals or somebody in the know. Whereas lines work because everybody looks at price. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Everybody's affected by price, right? But if you don't know what the 50 and the 20 is, why would that ever affect how you make a decision, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, but the reason I have it in my chart is because I'm, I'm like thinking if I'm trading an asset that where I think most traders are kind of know something about, about TA, I'll be like, they're probably watching the 50. Right. So I'll use it, I'll use it, but I usually watch it and I usually tend to think that it's just like a weak bounce point. Like they'll just give some weak little, you know, support, but then it'll just get fucked that right after. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that just goes back to that just goes back to the psychology stuff we were talking about at the start, right? It's like you want to you want to try and play with what you know everybody's looking at, right? So like yeah. if you if you see like a super clear resistance line, and like we've talked about this before, like something like this, you know, again, like that's that's so clear, like that is the only support level on this entire chart. So any idiot who's looked at technical analysis for more than fifteen minutes can draw that line, yeah. and since since this stock had so much hype and I, and like, we all know that this was probably 90% retail money, you know, people sitting at home trading this thing, everybody's looking at that line, which means that line's going to hold a lot of weight. Right. Whereas if you're like, if you're using all these weird indicators that nobody else uses, nobody like, you know, you know, you might have 20,000 people trading the stock and there might be six guys that are looking at this indicator, which means it's going to be completely useless. Right. So they are mostly useless. Like, yeah, I love I love ripping apart Elliott Wave guys. Sorry if you are one, but I got balls deep into it, and that's why I know it's bullshit. But it's useless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like everybody everybody has their own like trading methods off different things, and like again, it goes on different time frames too. Like whatever your time frame is, but like, I mean, at the end of the day, that's why they always say you know keep it simple. Like just it's it's you know tra trading is simple. It's not easy because of the emotional side of things and the human side of things, but like the actual. The actual process of like when to get in, when to get out and stuff is easy. Like I've like, you know, I, I could teach someone how to do what I do in like probably half an hour. Like I could sit someone down, show them my full process. I could give them stocks to trade and they would fuck it up because they don't they don't have the the emotional side of things. But like the actual process and the levels that I use are so simple and anybody can glance at a chart and know exactly where I'm going to get in and out. Yeah. You know what actually sent my ta uh growth like it really sped it up there was um one june there was a guy he used to work for one of the major firms he traded fx and then he started going to the crypto and then he became a bitcoin maximalist and he had a uh, seminar in toronto he's coming to toronto i think i paid like a grand for that one day course thing in bitcoin he only accepted bitcoin too so then <laughs> I went to, 
So then I went to the course and like, I wasn't going there trying to think like, okay, he has a secret, but I was trying to go there to think, I'm like, okay, this guy's proven high level trader. I want to see what he does. Right. Mm-hmm. And he, and he, and he traded live, like he paper traded, but he started drawing the lines. He's like, so my stop would be here. My whatever would whatever. Right. And I was looking at what he's doing and I'm like, that's worth a thousand dollars right there. It's mm-hmm. not the strategy he's using, but it's the fact that clearly you, you also know what you don't know. And then this is how you account for it. That means we're all swimming in the same pool. You don't have some magic voodoo that nobody else does. Like I can do this. That's when it clicked for me. Yeah. It's really funny, man. And like the more, like, that's why, like I rewatched like a lot of old educational videos that I watched like years ago because I'll watch them now. And like back then I was like, you know, I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So this is how you read that. This, this is this technical analysis and that, but like, you know, the people that are talking in the video, they might, you know, they might just kind of breeze over something and just say something that like you think is really arbitrary and that you could like, but because of what I know now, I could just hear that one little thing and be like, oh my God, I can use that to make so much money. Like it just, it's just the weirdest little things that you pick up. And then it's like, Jesus, why did that so, that's so easy. Like, why didn't I think of that? But like somebody that doesn't know how to trade and hasn't been exposed to this stuff for a long, like, for a couple of years already, they'd hear that and they'd just like they'd just ignore it almost. Yeah, they don't know what to look for. So, mm-hmm. what do you do? Yeah, it's like even with like even with the stuff that we're doing, it's like you know, yeah, we can like show you these levels on the chart and this and that, but like you know, somebody who's watching this in real time, they're like, oh, you know, you don't know, right? Like you you don't know what it's going to do. You look at the volume and you're like, okay, I think this is supposed to do that, and then you know, you see the wicks on the candles, but like it just it doesn't it doesn't all kind of you know. It's not all cohesive. It doesn't all come together into into an actual plan. Yeah, that's that's why we keep saying mm-hmm. like, um, rather than paper training, you got to put some money down and just just be prepared to lose it. It's tuition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paper trading is like a, a paper trading is good for um, like for learning the mechanics of it, like learning how to or- enter orders, learning how to how things work, learning how to you know get out of a position quick if it's going the wrong way, and stuff like that. I think it's good for and like you know just just practicing stuff because like you you don't actually have to like you know, like the, the word paper trading, like you could literally look at a chart and just write on a sheet of paper, yeah. like, okay, I want to, I'd want to short this thing at 20 bucks and I'd want to cover it at, you know, 18 bucks. And then you can just watch and see if you were right. Right. You don't actually have to put the orders out. There. And yeah. then like the paper trading aspect of it just actually like teaches you how to use your, your operating system. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did that before for, uh, for my trade. So I was trading money too, but at the same time, I just want to get more experience. So there's charts where it's like, I don't want to touch it, but something looks like it's going to happen to me. So I just drew like, you know, my lines, like it might do this, might do that, wrote a few notes and I'll look back at it six months later. I'll be like, Oh, I was right. Or like, Oh, yeah. it's way off. Like whatever. Yeah. 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 And then you can dig into it, dig into it further and be like, okay, why was I right? Why was I wrong? Like, you know, what is, what's different from this one to that one. Right. Yeah. 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 I think the important thing is like that we both realized at the beginning that helped us was like, we can't start off making money with that expectation. We're, we're here to learn. We're here to lose money. We're going to lose, keep losing until we figure it out. Right. Whereas a lot of people are like, I, I got to make money day one. This has got to return something. Yeah. There's a lot of those people this year. Right. And now that's, that's why the mark, <clears throat> excuse me, that's why the market has been so slow lately and small caps and stuff is because everybody's just, everybody's just fucking killed. Over the past couple of years, they made a whole bunch of money in 2020, and then they gave it all back to me in 2021. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if Sam remembers, but I think I could swear, like somewhere around mid mid year or or early in the mid year mid year, I said like uh, 2020 retail fucked um, Wall Street. They they just they just bulldozed them by sheer numbers, and the Wall Street was just too stubborn to adjust. But then this year, Wall Street figured it out. We're just yeah. going to do a combination of 
common knowledge and controlling the media. And we're just going to fuck you over. Because every week it's like some new fear. You get a sell off. And the next week it's like, oh, look, it didn't happen. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it's funny. I was actually looking at some stuff today. And like, I can't remember the companies, but it was <clears throat> it was some of the bigger name companies and stuff. I've, I've just been noticing lately, like since the market's been selling off pretty consistently, there's been a lot of companies that are starting to do stock buybacks, like into these dips, which I think is pretty interesting. That's clever. That's smart for them. Yeah. Which shows me that, <clears throat> excuse me, it shows me that they're planning on, you know, the stock prices are going to plan on increasing. Because that was the other thing I was going to mention is I was doing some research and uh, reading a few reports from like financial advisors and stuff. And like the consensus that I'm seeing is that um, they're thinking that next year, like we're probably in for like a choppy few months, but then next year is likely going to be strong again, which we kind of expected. And people are all scared because interest rates are going up. But like the interesting thing that uh, was noted in these reports I was reading, which like I, I knew, but I didn't really like click was that they were saying if interest rates are going up, then that usually bodes well for the economy in, in like the long run of that year, because if interest rates can increase, that means the economy is strong and that means people have money, right? It's when interest rates come down, that's when people don't have money and that's when they need to bring the interest rates down. So people can afford all their housing and, you know, all their loans and all that kind of stuff. So the fact that interest rates are planning to go up, you know, it scares people temporarily because they think, you know, all oh, things are going to get more expensive. It's going to be harder to afford stuff, but the government wouldn't increase interest rates if the economy wasn't strong and they didn't know that people could afford to pay for it. So like that shows all the investors that the economy is strong and people still have money to invest, which I thought was kind of an interesting take on it. I don't disagree with that logic, except I don't think their reasoning is correct. Because okay. like, because they're, they're, it's it would, under normal circumstances, they're absolutely right. Because like, if you have inflation, which is more money going after the same amount of goods, then clearly people have more money than they have. We have resources. So that's why inflation, right? And so, yeah, you want to pull back, you want to make it make the cost of borrowing less and then you cool it off because people have more money. But in this case, it's like, I don't believe the inflation we're suffering right now is a case of more money going after less goods, more like of a result of price gouging. So if I'm correct, and it's a result of price gouging, then the economy is not strong. It just appears to be strong. And so if you pull back the lever and you up interest rates, the opposite could happen, which is a recession. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm right, but I'm just saying like, that's the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely two ways to look at it for sure. Because I never thought of it like that until I started reading these reports. But like the, un the underlying reasoning and the fact that like, if they're increasing interest rates, it's because the economy is strong and people can afford it. I mean, it, may it makes sense. Yep. Right. Like it, it kind of sucks because it costs more to do stuff. But <laughs> I mean, you know what? It makes perfect sense, though. If you if you have a, a situation where you just have like prices going up because too many people are just flush with money, then, yeah, you want to pull back, pull that shit back. Like, yeah. Fuck? Yeah. Right? So I just I just hope they have more data than I do. And they they're actually confirmed that prices are going up literally because there's more money going after the same goods. And it's not a price gouge issue because I have uh, some evidence to suggest it's a price gouge issue. Yeah, I just I like to I mean, I don't I don't really <laughs> I don't really have faith in any of our fearless leaders, but I like to I like to try and believe that they at least uh, did a little bit of research on this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, either way, I think um, I think stocks will go down a little bit, but I was expecting yeah. chop anyway. Oh, that's what we wanted to talk about the other day. We're setting up like how would you trade chop? I don't know if you have before. Oh, OK. Do you want to talk about it in the next episode? Yeah, if we're getting we're close, we'll wrap, wrap this one up. Players. Yeah, wrap this yeah, one. Let's up. wrap this one up. Sorry, guys, I gotta save it. <laughs> <laughs> Means you just have to watch the next one. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. All right, thanks for watching, guys. See you guys. Okay.